Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to episode 128 of Soccer Noob Rock in America, featuring Person Noob, from whom we shall not hear her usual pre-recorded hello, uh, sort of to indicate that she will not be joining us nearly as much this particular program. Don't worry, we're still going to get pre-recorded fun countdown stuff from her, some singing stuff, some help from the animal segment from her. But she can't help as much as normal because she's behind on her homework. Yeah, here in the second half of the fifth grade year, they're starting to get some projects. And uh, somebody didn't manage her time very well. Although, I got to take a little bit of a hit here, too. Maybe I should have been doing more to help her learn how to manage that time. So, uh, parents noob as well, perhaps. But we're all learning as we go along. And, hey, let's learn about some soccer. What is this show? If you're a if you're a new listener to us, particularly because of that theme song, you may be wondering what on earth you got yourself into. The crux of our show, while we're having fun, some fun and having some silly segments in here, is we want to learn about soccer from all over the world, all at the same time. We're truly noobs. It's not just characters. Uh, it's our actual life. But we're not going to take things slow. We go everywhere all at once. Wherever the most important and intriguing matches in the world are being played, wherever the high drama is, that's where we're going to go. Sometimes it's going to be big leagues and big tournaments. Sometimes it's going to be tournament matches with teams that maybe aren't at the very tippy top of various rankings, or it might be, you know, leagues and teams, uh, club teams that are from tiny little countries, micro states even. You never know what you're going to get here, and that is part of the fun. But ultimately, we learn soccer, and we learn a lot about the world through the lens of soccer. This particular week, we are going to be covering matches from Friday the 24th of March through the 30th. So with no more gilding of the lily, let's drop right in with... March number one! We've actually got a couple of matches on Friday, often a day that gets overlooked for the start of the weekend proper here on this show, but we were not going to ignore, ignore rather, this really juicy matchup from the AFCON qualifiers. Now, this is a qualification tournament for the AFCON, which is the Continental Championships there in Africa, the equivalent of the Euros. Championships every other year held for the national teams. 48 teams are left alive. They have been divided into 12 groups of four. Each group, they will play a double round robin, home and away, between each two teams. The top two teams will advance to the knockout bracket. The really good-looking matchup, number, uh, well, second place Cape Verde in their group, taking on number three Eswatini, which was formerly known as Swaziland in Africa. So if you're a little bit older like me, that's the more familiar name. This is the newer one. They're just two matches into group play, but things are already kind of falling uh, in order in some of the groups that have played 
uh, where some of the teams have played three groups. Things are still really competitive here for whoever's going to finish in second place. Cape Verde currently lead Eswatini by just two. As is our tradition on this show, we will start by talking about the home team first. Cape Verde, this is an island nation off the west coast of Africa. Whole population for the country is maybe only about a half a million. They're known as the Blue Sharks on the pitch, and they're ranked number 73 worldwide by FIFA. I believe that they're ranked number 14 in Africa. At the very least, they are the 14th seeded team out of the ones left alive in this particular event, which is pretty strong for such a small nation. On paper, this is your team that uh, would be picked for second place. All of the 48 teams were divided into uh, pots with the best ones in pot number one, the next best ones in the second pot, and so on. So this is your team from pot two. They have never qualified for the World Cup, but they've managed to make some appearances in recent years, gotten out of qualifying and into the AFCON proper. This is an event that's held every other year, and they made appearances in 2013, 15, and 2021, the last one. And in that one, I believe they made the round of 16 before losing to eventual champion Senegal, lost 2-0. I don't believe this event exists any longer, but I want to point out some successes that they've had. They won the Amilcar Cabral Cup, which was a tournament of West African nations in 2000. And in 2009, I wish I could have found a little bit more about this one. They won the gold medal in something called... Uh, uh, the Lusophony Games or Lusophony. Not sure about the pronunciation. What I am sure is this was a tournament for Portuguese-speaking nations, or I presume former uh, colonies of Portugal. Probably just African ones, but I didn't see that for sure. So far in this particular qualified uh, qualification event, they are one zero and one with a two and two goal differential. Uh, it would uh, behoove them to probably generate a little bit more offense. They are captained by a, a man who is singularly known by the name of Astopira. He plays left back for them, 34-year-old veteran. Since 2012, he has made his home in Hungary, playing all that time for a pretty fair team called Ferivar. Pun actually not intended. They're a good team, but not a great team. He's also played for Santa Clara over in Portugal, which may or may not have been at the top light in Portugal at the time. They are currently. This is a guy with a lot of experience, as you would expect from a captain. He's got well over 50 national team appearances. And we've got a USA connection here. They've got a player who plays for the San Jose uh, San Jose Earthquakes of MLS, midfielder named uh, Hamira Monteiro, who is actually Dutch-born. Uh, current form, they are 1-0-1 in their last two matches, which were both friendlies. And now... Eswatini. This was, again, the country that was known as Swaziland. They've got an interesting nickname in that they are known as the King's Shield. Really like that. They are ranked number 146, so about twice as far down the list as their opponents in this particular one. In 2017, they were actually ranked all the way up well within the top 100, number 88, best they've ever done. Never been to a World Cup, nor have they ever qualified for the AFCON proper. Uh, 2004, they made the group stage qualification and they finished in third place. This isn't a team that gets this far, I guess, really regularly. Now, in a regional tournament called Kasafa uh, in 2022, that's Southern African Nations, they made the round of 16 there. Uh, they are one of 12 teams that actually had to start this event all the way back in the preliminary qualifying round. They had a preliminary one and now... Uh, this particular one for the group stage. There they beat Somalia 5-1 on aggregate. 
So far, they've earned one, but they're 0-1-1. They've earned one point with a 3-5 and five goal differential. So while more offense would be good, a little bit more defense would be better. They have the worst one in the group going right now, statistically. They are captained by Siabanga. MDULI, a defender, 36 years old, who plays uh, for a team there in Swaziland called Green Mamba, like that. Uh, tied for all-time scoring for this particular team is still active with them. He's netted 15 over his international career, is Sabello. Too many consonants in a row. And Zinisa. And Zinisa. Yes. He I don't if there's not a if there's not a silent consonant there, I think I got it. Anyway, he plays striker for them for, uh, and he also plays for a local club team called Mbabane Highlanders. Every single player on the Mali, uh, on this particular roster plays for a domestic club, except for one particular guy who plays for a Division Two Malaysian club that they've got. Uh, teams current form two, two, and one in their last five. Those were all in the 2022 Kosafa, so they haven't played in a minute. Match number B. Before we get into our second match, let me add on for that last one that the Kosafa tournament for Eswatini, uh, the 2 2 and 1 record, that's the last full, I believe, international tournament they played in, not their most recent games. Obviously, they're in the AFCON qualifiers. All right, match number B. That's right. We have invented a new number and we're awfully proud of ourselves. Thank you, Person Noob, for reminding us, as you do each and every week, that number. Ugh, to bathroom talk. We're making a move on polite society and encouraging you all to use match number B or just number B in general. Listen to it in action. Our match number B comes from the UEFA European Champions qualifier. So this is the same thing as we just talked about, but for a different continent. Right now, there are 10 groups that either each have five or six teams and the top two from each one will automatically advance. The matchup we're going to look at, number 14 in UEFA for ranking, Czech Republic, taking on number 11, Poland. Uh, the series between these two recently, Czech Republic, have had the better of it by a bit, accruing a 2-0-1 record. You can catch this on the tube, at, or actually, well, or some computer if you're connected to it, 3.45 p.m. Eastern time on a uh, fairly, I think a fairly newer, at least uh, new-to-me streaming service in Spanish language, that is V, lowercase i, Capital X is how they stylize it, or in this case, VIX+. All right, the soccer. The Czech Republic, they are ranked worldwide by FIFA as the number 38 national team. They were actually all the way up ranked to second place back in 2006, not all that long ago. I wonder if a, a team from that far east in Europe will ever get that far again. It'd be awesome to see. Uh, they come out of the second pot for this event and therefore are a favorite to advance. They uh, have been to one World Cup this century. That was in 2006, and they made the group stage. Now, Euros-wise, 2004, they finished in third place in the Euros. Their most recent appearance was uh, 2020, or not their most recent appearance, but the best appearance they ever had. They made the qualifiers that particular year. 2022-23 Nations League, a different international tournament of some importance. They finished in last place in the group stage, going 1-1-4 with a 5-13 and 13 goal differential. Hard to say where they needed to work on their improvement a little bit more. Key players to look for. They are captained by Tomasz Socek, a defensive midfielder who currently plays for West Hampton in the Premier League. Great box-to-box play, box-to-box player, real loping pace, six foot 
four, and he is absolutely lethal on headers off of set pieces. So they will move him way up for those. And then if you watched the last year, as a name I'm sure you remember, Patrick Schick, who plays forward for German team Bayer Leverkusen. In the 2020 Euros, he scored the longest goal ever, nearly 50 yards for his. Just incredible. Uh, teams current form, one and one in their last two, which were friendlies. But they lost all of their last four in those Nations League matches somewhat recently. And now Poland. Let's see if they're in a little bit better form. They are known as the Eagles and ranked number 22 worldwide. Best they ever achieved was number five back in 2017. Twice they have finished in third place at the World Cup, but we're talking last century. 1982 is the most recent one. More recently, 2020 World Cup, they made the round of 16. Pretty good. Uh, Four straight European appearances they have made, and they are all their first ones ever. They made the 2016 quarterfinal best they've ever done in that. More recently, in the European Nations League 2022-23, they finished in third place in their group, uh, went 2-1-3 and three with a 6-12 and 12 goal differential. So neither of these teams is particularly defensively oriented right now. Could make this a very good one to watch. And we do have a USA connection for this particular team. A forward that plays for Charlotte comes from Poland, plays for the national team. That is Karol Swiderski, who has scored eight goals in 19 appearances. Uh, That is uh, really good. And yet you compare that to their overall superstar, the man that if you follow even soccer a little bit, I'm sure you know, their captain, Captain Robert Lewandowski, who now plays for Barcelona, 78 goals in 138 matches, better than one every other match. Just unbelievable. Match number three. And into the weekend proper, we march Saturday. Our third match, we bring it on home, at least if your home is where mine is, the U.S. Major League Soccer where there are two conferences, West and East, for our absolute brand new fans who are just uh, discovering soccer, might have found us by looking for something new or noob-ish. Uh, the top nine teams this year from each conference will go to the playoffs. That is after just doing eight from last year. So effectively, there will be one play-in game to get to the bracketed portion. In terms of international birth, each of the two conference winners plus one other team, the best one that doesn't win their conference, will go to the CONCACAF Champions League, their next iteration. Your matchup, best-looking one to us, number B in the West, LAFC, versus number four in the West, Dallas FC. Now, it's very early in the season uh, to be really table-watching at this point. In fact, for most leagues, uh, if it's a full-season league, we don't even start considering talking about them until they're five matches in. But we're Soccer New Rock in America, and while the name is a little bit of a joke as we go everywhere in the world, yes, we do want to be a little America-centric. The series between these two, LAFC, have had the better of it, accruing a 4-2-2 record. You can catch this, as you can nearly all the games, except for the ones they'll sell off occasionally, on MLS uh, season pass on Apple TV. It's going to start 10.30 Eastern time since it's out on the West Coast. LAFC, where they're having it, they are all but known officially as the Falcons. Maybe it even is official, and I'm just not seeing record of it. They certainly have a live Falcon right there and a Falcon trainer every home match, I believe. Will Farrell served in that capacity once. That was fun. The club is a very young one, founded in 2014. Uh, they have a 7-2 and two goal di- differential in their three matches, so they're performing well, just like last year, at both ends of the pitch. In fact, last year, uh, well, they're your defending champions, and they won the Supporters' Shield. Uh, they also won the Supporters' Shield in 2019. 
For those who may not be familiar with that term, to be the champion, you win the playoffs. The Supporters' Shield is, a, I would say, a meaningless award, but you know they're not considered the true league champions. But whoever has the best overall record in the entire league does get that honor. CONCACAF Champions League, their best finish ever, second place in 2020. It's early, but I believe their best performing player or most valuable player so far has been their central midfielder from Germany, Timothy Tillman. Now, he's just got one goal, but he's a good dribbler, good passer, and he's got eight interceptions. So this is a guy who's tracking back pretty well on defense. He came over from Gruther Firth, which is uh, not a very good German team right now. They're uh, near the bottom of the second division, but uh, they were in the uh, top division just the year before. He came up with Bayern Munich, but apparently uh, they were not prepared to have him on their senior team. Now, looking what this team, uh, what kind of changes they've made, they sold uh, Chicho Orango to Pachuca, a really key offensive member of the team. But they've added a little bit on offense. They add not a little bit, a lot, but they added Aaron Long, a longtime USMNT defender, US Men's National Team, who was a captain with New York Red Bulls. And in fact, you don't have to go that back that far. Uh, in 2018, he was the league's defender of the year. Looking at some uh, predictions on uh, Major League Soccer's own website, about oh a dozen of them, the worst prediction I'm seeing for this team is fourth place. So most of the pundits don't seem to be overly concerned with having lost uh, Arango to Pachuca. They think they're either going to replace that offense or maybe rely on their defense a little bit more this year. And now your visitors, Dallas, who are known as the Hoops. The Toros, I think that the hoop might be a reference to the uh, nose ring of a bull, or the burn. In fact, in an earlier professional iteration of soccer in this city, they were known as the Dallas Burn. They are 2-1-1 one, one with a 6-4 and four goal differential, so the offense is pretty good. Last year, they finished in third place in the Western Conference, and they made the conference semifinals. Or the overall semifinals. No, conference semifinals was right. Use my notes, Noob. 2010, they finished in second place in the playoffs, but they never won the title. They did win the Supporters' Shield in 2016. And then the preceding year, 2016-17, they made it all the way to the semifinals of the CONCACAF Champions League. Those who follow the game a bit in that area will definitely know this name, and he is their best player so far on the year with three goals, Jesus Ferreira, who is uh, Ferreira, who is just uh, 22 years old and yet playing center forward for them. He was an all-star last year and he has already made 17 men's national team appearances. Uh, some key losses for them. Well, they lost defender Matt Hedges to Toronto. I don't know that he was an all-time great player, but this is a guy who was very good at least and really knew the system. He had basically, uh, well, he is their all-time appearance leader in franchise history. Probably the most important addition they've made is uh, Giovanna Jesus, a right back, uh, who has done some uh, national team work at the youth level under 22. They just got him from a usually very good team, Crozairo. Uh, he played with them last year and helped them win the second division. This is normally a team that is in Brazil's top flight, and in fact, one of the better teams usually in the top flight. They had a real fluke season a couple of years ago. Predictions for this team have been a little bit more across the spectrum. Most everybody thinks that they won't do much worse than the middle, and some pundits have them finishing uh, maybe as good as second place in the West. So while it is early in the season, I think it's fair to say that this is a match with some real ramifications. Match number four. We stay on Saturday. Back to Europe we go, and this time we shake over to the women's side of the ball. 
Germany's Frauen Bundesliga is the top flight league for the Fräuleins over there. Although maybe they're not all Fräuleins. Some of them might be uh, spoken for or married. I don't know. <laughs> uh, this is the second best ranked league in all of UEFA currently. As such, they will get three teams into the Champions League. One will get to go to the group stage. In fact, only four total get to go. And then one team will start in the second of the two qualifying rounds, and one team will start in the first qualifying round. The great big matchup over there is number B, Bayern Munich, playing host to number one, Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg currently lead Bayern by two. But we've been to this league a couple times recently, so this seems like a great time. Instead of giving you a full mini preview, we are going to check in with one of our key uh, key team members here, and that is 3,500-year-old prognosticator, the divine world wanderer that is Noobstradamus, to see if he can have a drug-aided or drug-addled vision, perhaps, and tell us how we can gamble on this thing. We're going to cheat the casinos or the sports books or whatever, try to make us a little quid, although usually he's rarely right. So this is probably a better way to lose your house than win your house. In any event, please take it away, almighty soothsayer. Greetings from the Thracian plains of Greece. Tis I, I am home again after my stay in Berlin. From a couple episodes back, you remember, the museum visit, the rave music, it made so much sense. Anyway, uh, I had to get away from there. I had met an unmarried miss there, Gretchen. Over 3,500 years of wandering the earth, one learns to put up so many walls to love. Knowing my holy purpose takes me hither and yon constantly. I fled her embrace. Noob, I will not kiss and tell, nor deign to tell you of the wonders of her secret garden. But I take of the lotus leaf and travel not through space and time as usual but rather into my heart where poetry is manifest far across the blue waters lives an old german's daughter by the banks of the old river rhine where i loved her and left her but i can't forget her cause i miss my pretty fraulein For line, for line, look up toward the heavens each night, when the stars seem to shine. By the same stars above you, I swear that I love you. You are my pretty for line. When my memories wander away over yonder, to the sweetheart that I left behind, in a moment of glory, a face comes before me, the face of my pretty Fräulein. <laughs> um, uh, yes, uh, a game score. It, it will end in a 13 to 13 draw. Uh, probably. Oh, my heart. Match number five. Well, at least he gave us a realistic score to potentially go with. I would still uh, tread lightly when it came to any actual true gambling. But you know what? I'm just not sure about the credibility of the whole thing. Country is not my forte. 
but that is a country song from like the fifties or sixties or something like that. He didn't write that poem. Something about that is familiar. All right. Enough shenanigans. Match number five, back to America we go, but we're going to stay on the women's side of the ball. The NWSL is just getting started. The top flight here in America, the National Women's Soccer League, where they have 12 teams and the top six will make the playoffs. The top two will get buys straight to the semifinal. The matchup we're going to look at, North Carolina Courage versus Kansas City Current. The reason we picked this one, we'd like to look for matches with stakes. That's why I normally wait four or five games for you know, to, before I really start looking at a league. North Carolina finished one slot out of the playoffs last year, so they are our pick. The series between these two as well has been very, very, well, perfectly even. They're two, two, and two against one another, and you can watch this on Paramount Plus at 2 o'clock Eastern time on Saturday. Great reasons all to pay attention to this particular one. The Courage, they play out of Cary, North Carolina, sort of in the Cary, Raleigh, some other city, I believe, population triangle. A young club, as are many of the uh, NWSL teams, founded in 2017, and yet... They've already won three supporter shields, 2017 through 19. They also won the overall title, the playoffs, in 2018 and 19. Again, last year, they finished in seventh place. Uh, taking a look at last year's stats, because the character of teams doesn't change, tend to change overnight. They were a very offensive-minded club. Uh, they were second best in that regard, getting over two goals per match. Defense was a bit below average, and that is why they did not make the playoffs. Although there might have been a little bit of bad luck involved there, they did have a top three goal differential for the league. So they would not have been a bad bet at any point to uh, storm the top half of the table and actually get in. Uh, the number three scorer was theirs last year, Dabinha out of Brazil, but she just signed a two-year deal with Kansas City. So who was their next best scorer? Well, that was uh, Diana Ordonez. But she just moved over to the Houston Dash. Tied for number one in assists for them in the league last year with six was Carson Pickett, a defender. She just signed with Louisville. Did they keep anybody? It seems like a fire sale. Yes, they're getting ready to do some rebuilding. So their best uh, retained offensive player, a gal who was on the assist leaderboard last year was four, was Kirolin, uh, K-E-R-O-L-I-M, by the way, a uh, Portuguese spelling, I assume, for that, because she's from Brazil and plays forward for them. She came over from uh, Madrid last year. and She had to sit out 2020 from international play in general, I believe, because of a doping ban. Uh, key addition that this team made, uh, right back, Tyler uh, Lussi or Lucy, L-U-S-S-I. They got her from Angel City. And I gathered that she plays some wing back or moves up some because I read that they're really going to be looking for her to help with the scoring. And now the Kansas City Current. I love that nickname, by the way. They were founded sort of in 2020, really in 2017. They've got a long, weird relationship uh, with also being the team out of Utah. Within a year or two, there will be a team in Kansas City and a team in Utah, and we can forget all about that nonsense. This was a team that uh, made the playoffs last year. I believe they finished in fourth, but that was really, really surprising because they were just below average across the board statistically, offense, defense, goal differential. Uh, on the scoring leaderboard for them overall for the league was seven with CC Kaiser. She came over from Louisville mid-year, and she'll play some forward for them and some midfielder, probably attacking midfielder. And then helping her out in that regard as well, just as many goals, and she was with them all year, was Loo Labanta. 
American midfielder who was also on the scoring leaderboard or on the leaderboard for assists with four. A uh, key addition that they made was on the defensive side. Their offense is in very good hands or feet, however you want to phrase that. They added a Swedish gal who plays right back from uh, Bayern Munich named Hannah Glass, and she's also done time with PSG, two of the truly great teams over in Europe currently. And she had four goals uh, in, for Bayern last year. Is it live or is it Memorex? Are they real kitties or is it just person new? Perhaps we will never know. But what we all know is that sounder means it's time to do a recap of last week's matches. It doesn't have to make sense. Match number one was a Saturday match last week. Major League Soccer number one in the West early on St. Louis City expansion side. Played host to number five San Jose and got a convincing 3-0 win. They just keep going. Uh, Joe Klaus, their big scorer, he had yet another goal. That drops San Jose down to number seven in the West in the way too early to be following a table in Major League Soccer. Match number B from Liga MX, the top flight in Mexico, Clausura stage matchup between number three, T. Grace, and number one, Monterey. Monterey. Yeah, they're looking to do it again, retain that crown. Uh, they won nil one. That knocked T. Grace down to number five. Match number three from the third tier here in the U.S., USL League One. One Knoxville, which just moved up from League Two, took on brand new club Lexington SC, the one closest to home for me in person noob. And uh, unfortunately for us, it was one Knoxville that got the win two to one. Better days are ahead, Lexington SC. Don't you worry about it. Match number four from the OFC, that's the Oceania Football Confederation Champions League National Playoffs. Auckland City took on Wellington Olympic in the second leg of a home and away two-legged tie. The first leg went 1-1. Auckland City won in the shoot, shootout for the second one, 5-3. Key player for them we said to watch out for, Emiliano Tade. He had a hat trick of goals. Uh, Wellington uh, Olympic got a red card in the 70th. They were actually ahead at that point, and then Auckland City went in scoring tear and got four of their goals out. Uh, Sunday, match number five from the FA Cup in England. Brighton and Hove Albion from the Premier League to Bum Grimsby Town. Our minnow from the fourth tier in English football. Uh, they have uh, gone away. Brighton, Hove and Albion won 5 0. Woof. Match number six from the FA Cup in England. Another minnow of sorts from the second division. Not as much parity in women's football, I don't believe, over there. Lose, L E W E S, if I'm getting that right. Played Manchester United. They got a goal. Good for them, but Manchester United won 1 3 in advance. Match number seven from the top flight in Mexico for the ladies. Liga MX Femenil. Number B, Guadalajara Chivas. Played host in number one, Monterey. They played to a 2 2 draw. So not everything quite came up, Monterey, for our last episode. For Monterey, their star, Christina. Birkenhead had a goal. No change in the table for these two. Wednesday was match number eight from our own FA Cup, the U.S. Open Cup. First round, Chicago House. We got a lot of engagement from them on Twitter. So excited for them now. They took on national amateur champs from last year, Bavarian United, and got the 1-0 win. Congratulations. They will play forward Madison from League One in the next round. And Thursday, match number nine for the European 2024 Championship Qualification Group stage, which is just beginning. 
Bosnia and Herzegovina versus Iceland looked like a fine match, and uh, Bosnia thought so. They got the win 3-0. In match number 10 from CONCACAF's Nations League, we had St. Martin taking on St. Kitts and Nevis in the middle, Group B of the three. Or no, they were a League C match from the lowest one, but hey, we like to follow the drama everywhere it goes. Uh, the favorites won. St. Kitts and Nevis got a 1-3 win on the road. And now your three bonus matches with explanations coming later. Saturday's route of the week was a League 2 match, the second division of France between number B, Bordeaux, and number 19, second to last place, Nimes and Bordeaux. It was not a route, but they got the win 1-0. Josh Maha, their star, had the goal. No change at the table for either team. The most meaningless match in the world was a Tuesday match that came out of Lesotho, which is not what makes it meaningless. Uh, their top flight is the Premier League. What makes it meaningless is that they're in the middle of the table. Number 7, number seven Lichabatho took on number 8, uh, Machoka, and Lichabatho got the 3-1 win. That knocked uh, Machoka down to number 9. And then finally, your match of Disappointed was a Tuesday match from Sudan's Premier League. Number 18, last place, Rob Tukosti. They got to play host to number 17, Alzoma Cartoon. Still wasn't enough to get them the win. They got a 2-2 draw, no change in the table there. That wraps up your recap of last week's matches. Now let's dive right back into covering the upcoming week's best matches with... Match number six. This is the last of our Saturday matches, but you're not going to get a full preview this particular time, but I will tell you the one that we were going to cover. The USL Championship is the second division here in the United States. Like Major League Soccer, they're only in their second match week. The top eight teams from each of the two conferences at the end of the year will go to the domestic playoffs. We were going to cover Tulsa versus Loudoun United because Tulsa just missed the playoffs last year. Obviously, every you know they haven't played enough games for us to really know what the stakes are for any one particular match yet. So we thought, why not talk about a team that barely missed the playoffs last year? But we're not going to because we like to use soccer as a lens to learn about the world. And this it falls at the time of show where we always talk about aminals, aminals, aminals from around the world. Normally, uh, uh, Little Miss Persinub is the one helping me on the theme song or doing it by herself. But again, she's working on that uh, Wax Museum musician project thing. Oh, to be in fifth grade again. Priorities. So that's right. I'm happy to help her out. She picked the animal for you. We always pick one that is uh, endangered or has had some distribution problems in this particular case in certain parts of the world. But we try to find one that is native to, at least in part, the area where the home team is located. In this case, Tulsa is in Oklahoma, of course. And so we're going to talk about an animal that is still doing very well in South America and in some parts of uh, the U.S. and North America. But it is listed as a species of concern in Oklahoma, amongst other states. That is the burrowing owl. She picked such a fun one. She worked really hard on doing that. This is an animal that is uh, native. Its native environment is typically a short grass prairie or flat out desert, at least here in the northern hemisphere. Uh, in Oklahoma, it's most commonly found in the panhandle. And it is a beautiful animal, at least in part. It's weird looking in some ways, too. White eyebrows and brilliant yellow eyes, even compared to what you normally think of with an owl. But one of the things that makes it unique is it has incredibly long legs, at least for an owl. They are nine inches. It looks like it's walking on stilts. And this is because this is more or less a ground-based animal. Uh, it is also uh, crepuscular, 
which means that it hunts at dusk, dusk and dawn, which is very unusual for an owl. And I think it's the only species of owl that actually eats in the daytime. But perhaps the most fun thing about this comes from the name burrowing owl. It actually is a tiny bit of a misnomer. It usually does, it doesn't do its own burrowing. It doesn't make its own hole or nest unless it really, really has to. Mostly it uses pre-dug holes by prairie dogs. Yeah, this thing is apparently lazy in that particular regard. Now, the burrower nest of the burrowing owl is typically six to nine feet in length and it goes down three to five feet. The prairie dogs usually have built it with sort of a large uh, domed chamber in there. Uh, the nest is typically lined with uh, dried poopy and uh, possibly to absorb water and reduce the chances of flooding within the nest, but it probably also serves to hide the scent of the owl from its predators. And believe me, because it's ground-based, this thing has to worry about a lot more predators like coyotes and all sorts of other things since it's on the ground. One of the other things it does to protect itself that's pretty cool is it uses, uh, it makes an oral noise that mimics a rattlesnake that it only makes when it's in the hole that is supposed to scare off other predators. So the main threat to this particular animal is uh, urbanization, loss of habitat, is as it is with so many other ones. We didn't find a whole lot at a quick glance uh, as far as what was being to protect habitat for this particular animal. Uh, whatever's being done to conserve prairie anywhere you go is going to help these particular animals. So you can use your Google machine and figure out how you can help conserve the environment of the burrowing owl, the person who only picks cute animals and unique animals, and this is one that she would love to see around for a long time. Match number seven. Congratulations, we've made it to our Sunday matches. Back to the women's side of the ball we go. The Women's Super League is the top flight in England. It is the fourth-ranked league on the continent. Two of their teams will go to the Champions League. Neither will get to start at least this year. This will probably change somewhat soon in the group stage proper, but they will send a team to the second qualifying round and one to the first qualifying round. Two of your candidates. Number three, Manchester City. They are playing host to number one, Chelsea. Let's take a look at the, the full top third of the table. Chelsea currently lead the way at 37. And then Manchester United and Manchester City are at 35. Arsenal have taken a surprising bit of a dip and are down at 32 and in danger of missing the next Women's Champions League entirely. Uh, Manchester United and, uh, and Man City, as I said, are tied on points. Manchester United lead by 11 on goal differential. Worth noting that Chelsea and Arsenal have matches in hand on the other two. They have played one fewer match. So advantage Chelsea overall, but they're on the road today. When they played earlier this season, it was at Chelsea's place and they won 2-0. If you want to get up early enough, at least it sounds early to me, 740 a.m. Sunday morning. Uh, Paramount Plus is the place or ESPN3 if you get your sports there. Uh, Man City, let's talk about them first. They don't play in the same facility as the men's team. They play at a place called Academy Stadium, which is in the same overall sports city, I believe they call a huge campus of sporting things. Seats 5,000, has a total capacity of 7,000. They have won one league title that was in 2016. Six times since 2014, they have been runners-up. In this year's Champions League, they lost in the first qualifying round to Real Madrid. 2016 uh, through 18, uh, those two seasons, they made the semifinals both times. Last year, 
They finished in third place in the league this year. Very well balanced. I don't think this is a team that's going to stay out necessarily. I still like Arsenal to figure things out and catch up with them because this is a team with the top four offense and defense and goal differential. Goal differential, I think, is really, really key, and I'm just not quite sure they have enough to do it overall. Number one is scoring by quite a good bit, so as long as nobody shuts her down, I could be very well wrong. Uh, Jamaican international player named uh, Khadija Shaw plays forward for them. She's netted 15 on the year and has nearly uh, 40 national team appearance for her home country, and boy, do they rely on her. She has scored 55 goals. Another key player for them, top 10 in the league in assists with five, is Chloe Kelly. She plays striker. Uh, well over 20 national team appearances there for England since 2018. Team's current form, they just had a four-game win streak snapped 2-1 to one at Aston Villa. That was in the FA Cup, not in league play. And in the FA Cup, well, I'm sure it's important, it's the second most important tournament in almost every country in the world where they hold it. There's no international berth on the line when it comes to the FA Cup. So they may be prioritizing that a little bit less, some of these top flight women's league teams. And now Chelsea, they actually play out of the suburb of uh, Norbiton, N-O-R-B-I-T-O-N, might be pronouncing that right, might not. But I do know that it's a little over 10 miles from the edge of what I think is considered London proper. This team has won six league titles since it was founded in 2014. So, so much over the the last 10 years, it's been Chelsea number one and their opponents today in Man City number two. They are also your three-time defending league champions. Internationally, 2020-2021, uh, the Champions League, they finished in second place. That's the best they've ever done. They're currently participating in the quarterfinals of the, of the uh, Champions League. This year, the defense is good, but the offense is really where they're getting their bread buttered. Two and three quarters goals games per match. Second best overall goal differential. I don't know if I like them to win the league, but they're going to be competing for it the whole way. Number four score in the league is theirs, and that is Sam Kerr. She's done that seven times. She's from Australia, plays forward. One of the true international stars of the game is she's made over 100 national team appearances for Australia, and that team's pretty darn good. And she scored over 60 goals for them. She also should be familiar to longer-time American fans as she's played for several different teams over here, most recently with Chicago Red Stars. And then they've got a gal who's also number one in assists in the league, whose name I don't even remember from last year. But this year she's got nine assists already, a Norwegian winger named Guru Reiten. And 78 national team appearances for her home country. I like to keep track of those particular things. These are your stars. Team's current form, they have won four straight across all competitions with a very impressive 10 against two goal differential. And even more impressively as part of that, they just beat Lyon from France, one of the great historical teams uh, and currently great teams today as well. Nil one on the road in Champions League play. Match number eight. Would it be simpler if I organized things geographically instead of chronologically? Sometimes I wonder, because back across the pond we go for a Nations League tournament in CONCACAF. Now, the Nations League is not the same thing as a Continental Championships. Here in CONCACAF, which is North America, Central America, and the Caribbean member nations and uh, overseas territories, that is called the Gold Cup. The Nations League is a pretty important international tournament, but second to the Gold Cup, and in fact, acts as a feeder tournament to the Gold Cup. 
uh, there are three different leagues that comprise this particular event. And each of those leagues has multiple groups and they don't, they only play teams in their individual groups. So it's a little bit interesting. The matchup we're going to look at, this is what's important, number 14, Cuba, versus number 17 in the region, uh, Guadeloupe, which is a French overseas territory, not a member of FIFA, but they still get to be in our region. They are participating in the second best league, which is League B, and they are in Group 1. Now, there are several groups that are part of League B, and one group is not on paper better than another one. They've all been divided up somewhat evenly. This particular group has four teams. The winner will get to go to the Gold Cup and will also be promoted to League A for when they do this tournament again two years from now. The second best finisher will get to go to the Gold Cup preliminary round or essentially a qualifying round. Currently in the table, Cuba lead Guatemala by three, or Guadalupe rather, by three. Guadalupe lead Antigua and Barbuda by two on goal differential, and that is not two countries. That is just one, by the way, in case you're not familiar, Antigua and Barbuda. You can catch this, by the way, on Paramount Plus at 3 p.m. in the afternoon on Sunday Eastern time. But that's all you're going to get from us on this particular match, because this is the time of show where we like to take a culture break, which is a fancy way of saying noob's tummy gets a little rumbly. I'm hungry. A culture break usually means a recipe. And in this case, it does, albeit a somewhat simple one. Uh, We're headed to Cuba. We always try to do these related to the uh, home country and specific city, if we can. I don't know if the recipe that we found is specific to Santiago de Cuba, where the national team is playing this particular time. But I found a nice little recipe for small batch Cuban spiced pork chops. Everybody knows about the Cuban sandwich and some other basics. Nothing really unbasic about this, but I just wasn't familiar with some of the spice combinations. So let's talk about what this is. It is the perfect recipe I have read for those who love the flavors of classic Cuban pork roast, but are not cooking a great big feast. Uh, typical of a lot of Cuban food, there's going to be a lot of tropical flavors in here because of the climate. You get lots of food there, but unlike, say, what you might be expecting of somewhat typical Mexican food, Cuban, like a lot of Caribbean food, is not overly spicy. Now, this is going to be a uh, marinade, uh, basically garlic and lime, but with some other things thrown in. One of the things you need to know is the time that you should marinate this or not marinate this. You can go with this briefly as an hour. You're going to get the best results if you go six to maybe eight hours, but you absolutely don't want to set this for a long overnight, nothing longer than eight hours, because eventually there's enough citrus in here that it'll actually start to cook the pork, which I didn't realize could be a thing. So your ingredients for a small batch, uh, you could obviously adjust these uh, amounts based on how many you're cooking for, but you're going to want to, well, I won't go into amounts, uh, boneless pork chops, uh, a couple of limes, uh, ground cumin, garlic cloves, you're going to want those crushed, onion powder, uh, fresh ground pepper, and uh, you could do a teaspoon of olive oil. I'm reading that that's optional. I wouldn't, any recipe that, that can go in, I just about don't know why you wouldn't want to. So, one of the keys to typical Cuban pork is that it needs to be incredibly lean. Find the leanest pork chops you can, and then, obviously, you'll use a knife uh, to both trim the excess fat, and then you can use that same knife to cut shallow crosshatch marks across uh, both the top and bottom, both main surfaces of each pork chop. 
You're gonna mix all those ingredients that I mentioned in a resealable bag and uh, some kind of non-reactive container. Um, add the chops right in and put it in the refrigerator. This is a refrigerated marinade. Again, at least one hour, and then once it's all done, you're going to grill or broil the chops. Usually only takes eight to ten minutes, turning it once about halfway through. The big key seems to be those hatch marks. Uh, I'm more familiar with uh, 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 marinating uh, something like skirt steak or flank steak, for example, which you would probably not do this with because it's incredibly textured as it is. The pork chops uh, will hardly a smooth, seamless surface, if you will. You are definitely going to want those crosshatch patterns in there. That will enable the flavors to get somewhat deep into the pork, but again, without getting so deep, and this has more to do with how long you leave it in there, but it won't start to prematurely cook the pork. So I hope you have enjoyed this uh, very simple, but perhaps and hopefully new to you recipe for something from the island nation of Cuba. Match number nine. And now after oh so much match tracking, we give you a couple days off, at least from the main 10, and skip on ahead in your week to Wednesday for match number nine. Back to Europe we go for the Women's Champions League, which has reached its quarterfinal and is in the second leg of the home and away two-legged ties. Now the one I have picked is probably going to be the least uh, competitive of all the ones that we could have picked. Barcelona versus Roma, but Roma are only a goal down. Barcelona won nil one on the road. I still think it would take a moderate-sized miracle for Roma to get the upset, but oh, what an upset would be, and it is only one goal. The winners of this match are going to get either Lyon or Chelsea in the semifinal. Let's talk about your clear favorites first, as they would be uh, anywhere on earth that they played this team. Barcelona. They are the second-ranked club in all of Europe. Uh, the new name for their top flight uh, in Spain, the Liga F, it is the third-ranked club in all of Europe. Europe. Barcelona qualified as the league champions from 2021-22. Uh, uh, they were one of just four teams that got to actually enter the event at the uh, group stage, the event proper, if you will. Most events, like the Men's Champions League, for example, you get oh, I don't know, gosh, a dozen teams at least that get to enter at the group stage. Not so on the women's side. Most have to start in the second or first qualifying round. They advanced to the knockout round by winning their group just barely. They had a really tough one. Bayern Munich was in there as well. They were tied on points at the end, but Barcelona, were uh, they won the head-to-head -head on goal differential. And in group play, their goal differential was something to behold. 29 goals for and six against. That was actually, they scored twice as much as Bayern Munich did. So it wasn't particularly close in that regard. <laughs> Tied for second best in event scoring with five on the tournament is Aitana Bonmati. She is a midfielder. She plays winger amongst a bunch of other positions. If you managed to watch this one on uh, TV or streaming service somewhere, I didn't find one. <laughs> you might have a hard time spotting her. She's all over the place. Uh, she is also, by the way, tied for best in event assist. She's got five of those as well. The team has won one Champions League title in the past, 2020-21. Uh, they lost last year in the final, two mighty Lyon of France's uh, League One Feminile, basically. I think it's got a different name, but the top flight in France. Team's current form, they absolutely dominate. There is no other power in Spain. They have got 14 straight wins. 
Not so in Italy. This is an up-and-coming league, uh, the top flight there, the Serie A for the women. And there are two, arguably three teams that are pretty darn good compared to one another. Roma, like the men's team, uh, they are named for their mytho-history and are called the She-Wolf, related to the uh, mythological founding of Rome. A very young club, as most of the Italian ones are, I think, founded in 2018. They actually took over a license from a different club called Race Roma. They are not even ranked in the top 25 of UEFA clubs, so their success is pretty darn new. By the way, the top flight, the Feminile uh, Serie A, is ranked number five in all of UEFA, but there's a bit of a gap, really, between them and the top four. Uh, that's up two spots from last year, actually. They passed a uh, longtime historical power Sweden, as well as the Czech Republic, one of my favorite leagues to watch. They qualified by finishing runners-up in their own league last year. That meant that they had to enter back at the first qualifying round, which was actually a mini-bracketed tournament, so they had to win, effectively, three qualifying matches to get here to uh, even to the group stage and the beyond. They finished second best in the group stage, one point behind Wolfsburg out of Germany. 16 and eight goal differential is good. A little on the weak side for that point of the tournament on defense. On the event scoring leaderboard with them with four goals is Valentina Giacinti plays forward for them, their longtime star. Uh, top 10 assists with four is Manuela uh, Giuliano. She plays midfielder for them. Team's current form, well, that leg one loss that they suffered broke a nine-match win streak they had in uh, this and all other competitions. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Indeed, daughter dearest, we have one more match to talk about, and we go back to from whence we came, this podcast, to Africa, but this time not for a a cup-style tournament match, but Nigeria's Pro League, which is ranked number 11 in all of Africa. That is just good enough by one spot to ensure that the league gets two berths into the next Champions League. Uh, That is up one from a year ago, by the way. They just passed Guinea in the standings, so they're a little bit safer than they once were, but not much. Nigeria's Pro League this particular year has been divided into two 10-team groups. The top three from each of those groups at the end of their first phase, or let's call it regular season, will advance to the championship round where they will only play against one another. They're about halfway through the regular season or so. And by the way, their third and fourth place finishers will get to go to a secondary international tournament called the Confederation Cup, basically their version of the Europa League. Your matchup, number one, Lobby Stars. This is out of Group B versus number B, Rivers United. Well, I actually don't remember if it's Group B or Group A. In a way, it really doesn't matter for what we're going to talk about. Lobby Stars, they lead Rivers by just one point in the table. Very tight. Uh, Rivers in turn lead number three, Sunshine Stars, by four points. So it's not totally a two-horse race yet, but it's starting to look that particular way. Sunshine, I'm sure, are really hoping for a draw out of these two. Uh, Rivers won when they played earlier in the season at their place, two to one. And by the way, uh, this was the last, I I rank all the matches, so to speak, in terms of what I'm going to cover throughout the week, just a tiny bit about how the sausage is made. And Nigeria won as good as this match is and as close as it is in the table. There were a lot that I considered equally good. The reason I picked that is because if you take the time to Google up uh, Nigeria's Pro League, you will find that the other group, the one that uh, these two are not in, their top two teams, which I believe are separated by four points, are actually also playing this particular week. But we're going to talk about Lobie and Rivers. Lobie stars. Lobie 
That is the name of a tribe or a West African people. But interestingly, it's not one of the eight major groups, nearly as I can tell from my brief research, right here in uh, their own town. Uh, mostly, this is an agricultural area. The team is known as the Ortom Boys, O-R-T-O-M. I believe that that is the name of the governor of the state. So interesting that their current nickname is actually named after a, uh, a person who is presumably of limited power uh, time-wise. Their crest is an interesting one uh, related to their agricultural uh, background there, if you will. There is a uh, prominently featured, and you're looking at a little bit, uh, the from the seer's eye, you're looking at it a little bit from the underside, a fruit or a vegetable uh, heavy wicker basket. But interestingly, they have they've not decided to make it an overly full one. Like presumably there are other ones underneath, but there's just two or three little fruits or vegetables that are kind of sticking out the top. I thought that was an interesting choice. I would have made it filled to the brim and then some. By the way, the town that they play out of is called Makurdi. Uh, in the greater area, there's about 350,000 people, which makes it very interesting to me that it is uh, very much predominantly an agricultural area. This is in the uh, sort of south central south, southeast part of the country, by the way. They've only won one league title before, and that was back in 1999. But they've made two Champions League appearances both times they got as far as the group stage. Last year, they only finished in eighth place overall out of the, I believe, 20 teams, not just in their group. I don't think that they were divided into groups last year. They are very well balanced this year in my favorites to win the league. Uh, top two offense and defense, number one goal differential, though. And by the way, defensively, they, this is not the highest scoring league in the world, just so you know. But they've only given up two goals in nine matches. I think that's really something. Once they get into the championship round, things will be a little, uh, a little bit tougher for them, I'm sure. On the offensive side, they've got a top 10 score with four on the season so far in Abba Umar, who plays midfield for them, just 22 years old. Team's current form 2-1-1 one one here in the second half of their season so far. And Rivers United, we've visited them once before, but it's been a bit. Rivers, by the way, is the name of the state. And so while it's interesting uh, in, in that, yes, there are such things as river dolphins. They're more traditionally, I think, thought of as ocean creatures. Rivers United on their crest features both a dolphin and a shark having leapt out of the water and are sort of in an uh, abode uh, point of motion uh, opposite one another. That is because in 2016, this club was a merger of two other ones, Sharks FC and Dolphins FC. A little bit on the nose. Both teams were state-run and having a bit of financial trouble, so that's why they decided to merge them and leave both animals on the crest. They play out of the, uh, I believe it's the capital city, Port Harcourt, yes, uh, which is actually, uh, well, whether it's the capital or not, it's only the fifth biggest city in the country, about one and a quarter million people there in the southeast, so somewhat of a regional rivalry going on here. Uh, one wonders if they might eventually have to start playing all their matches indoors. This is an area that is unfortunately known for incredibly heavily uh, heavy air pollution, largely due to uh, the oil, but that uh, and the production of it. But that also means that this is an incredibly wealthy state. I think probably the richest one in the country, and a small little USA connection. They are sister to have a relationship with aforementioned Kansas City. I wonder if maybe the, the currents could uh, form a relationship with the actual team. That'd be fun. Uh, 
Uh, they are the defending champions. That is their only post-merger title. I don't know how many team, how many titles the two teams won separately from one another. I didn't dig that deep, but I did catch that the last time either of them won a league title was in 2011 when it was won by uh, Dolphins FC. They are not a good defensive team, at least compared to the other teams in this league. They're actually giving up less than a goal per match. They've got the number one offense, so that is really where they're going to shine. And they've got the second best goal differential. Told you this was a good one. Key player to look for on the scoring leaderboard with three on the year is... Chidibude Duru, a defender who must do some wingback action getting up the field for those gold, 23 years old, actually started his career with Lobi, but I don't think he's had many appearances up there. Team's current form, uh, they are on an, a seven-match unbeaten streak. Bring forth the bonus matches! Uh, perhaps my favorite part of the program because you, dear listener, had the chance to have a say in what the content was going to be. How so? Well, for these three unique bonus matches, we determine things by putting up tw- polls on Twitter, where you can find me as Soccer Noob USA. Usually do that on Monday or Tuesday. You vote. Dreamy content is manifest. Our first one is a first versus last place match. We dramatically call the route, 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 route of. Of, 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 the week, 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 week. And we're staying on Wednesday on the calendar and in Africa. This time, moving ourselves over to Kenya. The Premier League is ranked number 19 in Africa. That is down five from a year ago. So they were getting to a point where they were close to getting two teams into the Champions League instead of just one. But alas, they only get one. On the other end of the spectrum, just as relevant for this one, Two teams will get relegated, and the third to last place team at the end of the regular season will have to fight for their Premier League lives against the second division third place team for the right to play in the top flight next year. They're a good bit over halfway through the season here in your matchup. Number one, Gore Mahia taking on number 18, Vahiga Bullets. On Gore Mahia's end of the spectrum, they lead number B, KCB, by five in the table. The other end of things, the less fortunate part of the table, the Higa Bullets, they trail number 16 Nairobi City Stars by 12. And that's the team that's in the relegation playoff position. So that doesn't even represent true safety. This is my way of pointing out that even if they pull a miraculous upset, it would seem that this is a team that is uh, very much going down. When they played earlier this season, Gormahia earned the road win one to three. But hey, we're always looking for reasons to think that maybe that last place team has a shot. Eh, At least they got a goal. We usually see a shutout when it comes to the route of the week, it feels like. Now, Gore Mahia, talking about the home team first. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what Gore means, G-O-R. I suspect it means just man or person. But I know Mahia means magic uh, in the uh, local language. Uh, the club is named for a legendary medicine man named Kanyamwa from one of the tribal mythologies, the Luo people, if I'm saying it right, L-U-O. So a really cool nickname. Uh, They play out of the capital city of Nairobi, as so many teams there do. 
They are the only Kenyan team that has ever won an international competition. Uh, it was something that was called the African Cup Winners' Cup, which was one of two events that was sort of a precursor to now their secondary international tournament, the Confederations Cup, their version of the Europa League. And they won that back in 1987, by the way. Domestically, oh, so much success, though. 19 league titles. Uh, they've won all but one of the titles from 2013 to 2020, by the way, but somebody has jumped up and given them some competition the last couple of years. They made five Champions League appearances in that stretch and made the quarterfinals in the 2018-19 iteration. That's the best they've ever done. Uh, this year, they are tied for having the best goal differential. In particular, their defense is outstanding. They're giving up just a bit more than a goal every other match on average. Interestingly, the team that they're tied with on goal differential is not one of the other top teams. It's a team that's close. Number four, Police. Police have the number one offensive side. I expect them to uh, jump up and be the main competitor for this team by the end of the season. This team's current form, 1-2-0 in their last three. So no losses, but not totally dominant. And just a 3-2 to two goal differential. So their they're top two offense, uh, you know, a little bit dormant right now. Is there enough room for the Bullets to maybe pull an upset? Probably not, but is what we sort of report. They play out of the second city of, Ke of Kenya, as it's known, Kakamega. Uh, that is in the southeast part of the country. It has maybe 2 million people. And I know we did an animal one earlier, but I just want to note that one of the things that I found out about this is that there's a lot of rainforest in the country, and the biggest, most aggressive cobra in the world is here, the Kakamega Forest Cobra. So here's a nightmare fuel for you. Uh, very few animals live on the floor of the rainforest because of the very, very thick canopy. And so the snakes spend most of their time in trees. So you think about a snake slithering around on the ground attacking you. Oh no, this is death from above for you. You're welcome. Uh, the Bullets have won just one time on the year, but at least it's not zero. Uh, they don't even have half as many points as the second-to-worst team, uh, number 17, Wazito, yet. They finished in 17th place last year and should have been relegated. I'm not sure I fully understand the particulars of this, but basically the league results were officially abandoned doing to what I read it was described as an ongoing technical dispute with FIFA. Basically, uh, there were people running the FA or the league in particular. They were out a trans uh, for whatever reason. A transition management team was put in. Eventually, that team installed the old management and they decided to basically say, since last year's season uh, you know, wasn't under our direct watch, uh, it just doesn't count for anything. So that saved Vahiga from having to drop down. But, yeah, they're still going to go down. Make no mistake. They've got the worst defense going. In another league, uh, just like Nigeria, isn't the highest scoring one going. They have the worst defense giving almost uh, up almost two goals per match. Team's current form, 0-1-13 is their current stretch. And that draw was from two matches ago uh, at home against one of their fellow worst teams, Wazito. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. We're not here mostly to make fun of them. No, we celebrate them with a song that we've stolen from the late, great 
prints and eventually will probably be made to stop. Anyway, this is the most meaningless match in the world. Let's celebrate two teams that are more or less in the middle of their table. Two teams that are equidistant from the glory that would be finishing out or near the top and getting international berth or having to fear dropping down a league. They're not in the relegation zone or overly close to it. And the match that has been selected is a Thursday match, the end of our soccer week, from Iran's top flight, which is called the Persian Gulf Pro League. That name always sounds to me like it should be a regional league. Persian Gulf touching a number of countries, obviously, but no, just what Iran has decided to call theirs. It is currently the fifth ranked league in all of Asia. That is down one. They got passed from the high-flying Uzbek top flight. Love covering them. Iran is about three quarters of the way through the season. They're just a little bit ahead of the European season down there. Uh, only one particular team, will uh, the champion, will get to go to the Champions League this particular year from league play. Normally it's two or three. There are reasons for that that we won't get into right now. Two of the 16 teams will be relegated at the end of the year. Your matchup, number 11, Malavan, taking on number 10, Havidar. It's the all-A's matchup. No other vowels here. Havidar lead... Uh, Mal- <laughs> I'm going to screw this up. Havadar lead Malavan by two. They trail number one, Sepahan, by 23. They aren't going anywhere, at least not based on the results from this particular lead season. Meanwhile, Malavan, they lead number 15, Sanat Naft, by 11. So a little bit closer there, but still clearly in no danger of slipping down into the drop zone. Havadar won when they played earlier this season 1-0. Can they repeat that success on their own? History would say yes, although the history that I'm looking at is a is somewhat of a brief one. In the last four matches, Havadar have a perfect 2-2-0 record against them. But we'll talk about Malavan first as home team. They play out of the city of Bandar-e-Anzali. And here's sort of your uh, most meaningless fact. In 500 BC, this area was settled by the Caducil people which is neither here nor there uh, for our purposes, hence the reason it's the most meaningless fact. I just decided to latch onto it because I, I, I feel confident that Cadusil is the name of an actual ointment, and I'm only half joking there. Isn't there really really some kind of, that's the marketed name of some kind of skin ointment? Like if you got, I don't know, a, a shingles or eczema or something? Nah, I didn't look it up. Because it's the most meaningless match. The team, they are known as the White Swan, singular, or the Sailors, plural. Uh, They used to be actually owned by the nation's navy, hence the reason for that secondary nickname. Uh, the town is in, or city is in the northeast part of the country, about 100,000 people or so. They're a huge caviar production plant. That is their main business there. They're right on the Caspian Sea. And while this is not one of the best teams in the league perennially, it is one of the best teams outside of the capital city of Tehran. So good on them. Uh, two different times they have finished as high as number three in the league, and the last time they were even that high was 1989. Last year, they were in the second division, which was the uh, is called the Azadegan League. Uh, they were relegated there after the 2015-16 season. So welcome back and enjoy your existential crisis here in the most meaningless match. Uh, their stats are uh, right across the board, incredibly average. They're not really going to be seeing any change there. They do have a pretty darn good player in Sajad Bazgir. He's on the scoring leaderboard with six goals on the season. Plays midfielder for them. Team's current form, two straight draws appropriately. They were both 1-1 scores. That was preceded by a uh, a three-match losing streak in the league. 
And now Havadar, they do play out of the capital city of Tehran. Uh, most meaningless fact for them I've chosen is they used to be called, called Sorkpushan. Uh, I don't know. I just liked it. S-O-R-K-H-P-O-O-S-H-A-N. It's sort of fun to say and yet entirely not fun to say. It circles around from one to the other. I believe the name basically means old in either Persian or Arabic. Uh, So kind of think of this as the opposite, say, of a, a Juventus or a Young Boys as far as their nomenclature. Last year, uh, they were pretty much right where they are now, 11th place. Their defense is almost average, but effectively they're a very average team across the board statistically, just like their opponents today. On uh, the team leading, uh, their team leading score with three on the year is Mohammed Javad Mohammadi. I guess that's like being named John Johnson over here in the West. I don't know. I don't have an equivalent for Javad, though. Team's current form. They just drew 1-1 versus number 14, Mess Kerman, and that snapped a two-match losing streak for them. And now a match with two teams that we will be making fun of. Absolutely. They are egg-sucking, sad-sack, bottom feeders. This is the match of... Disappointed! And you have selected a Sunday match worthy of our scoring in Nicaragua, the Primera División. They are in their Clausura stage. Like in most Spanish-speaking countries in the Western Hemisphere, their season is divided into two stages or completely separate single-round robin, effectively, uh, seasons. This is the number 11-ranked league in the world. They are in the, or not in the world, in CONCACAF, our region. And they are in their Clausura or closing stage. They are... The worst one in all of Central America, except for Belize, which is so small that we almost don't really think it should count. And it very nearly doesn't, just like these guys almost don't. Of their 10 teams, the top six at the end of the regular season will go on to the domestic playoffs. The top two will get buys. Internationally, we're starting to get some clarity. You've got the CONCACAF Champions League, and in the past, all the Caribbean qualifiers and the Central American qualifiers would play in one singular event called simply CONCACAF League. Now there will be two separate tournaments. The one in Central America appropriately will be called the Central American Cup that will be played later this year. Only two teams will get to qualify for that from Nicaragua. Uh, all the other ones except for Belize, the countries in Central America, will get to send three. Do better, Nicaragua but you're not likely to be getting help from these two teams. Uh, By the way, I don't believe there's any relegation out of this league, so these two teams are very fortunate in that regard because they deserve it, quite frankly. They're about two-thirds of the way through this particular stage, and your matchup is number nine, Municipal Jalapa versus number 10, UNAN Managua. Uh, Jalapa, they currently lead UNAN by two in the table. And when they played earlier this season, Managua got the home win 3-0. We'll talk about Jalapa first. Uh, The full name of the club is ART Municipal Jalapa. So while this isn't the worst burn in the world, it makes me wonder what ART stood for. I couldn't find it, so I'm just going to say actually really terrible. The city of Jalapa is about 75,000. It's in the north central part of the country. The only thing that you're likely to know this from is... uh, Back, what, in the 80s, when the U.S., uh, the CIA was funding the Contras, trying to get them to overthrow the country, Uh, government, yeah, they tried that twice and it didn't work either time. Do better CIA or disappointing as well. 
Oh, they've got a file on me now. Uh, this, we have a slight USA connection, by the way, a city I like much better than I do this particular club, Boulder, Colorado, is who they're sistered with, a fine city. The club was founded in 2011 in its current form. I don't know how old the predecessor club was, but Deportivo Jalapa had to shut down in 2007, probably due to financial reasons. So they had a few years off and now they're back. Sort of, but they stink. Uh, in the Apertura stage this particular season, they finished in seventh place, so a little bit better. We might have seen them in a most meaningless match last year. Uh, the defense flirts with being average, but they've got the worst offense by a lot, only getting three goals every four matches on average. That means they've got the worst goal differential. Yes, you can smell them from all the way up here in the States. Team's current form. Credit where it's due. They just beat number four, Matagalpa, one to two on the road, and that bracket, uh, broke a two match losing streak. Uh, all three of their last three matches, by the way, were on the road. So good on them, I guess, for even managing three points over that stretch. And now, UNAN Managua. Like a lot of the teams in this region of the world, you've always got a couple of university teams. This is one Universidad Nacional uh, Autonoma de Nicaragua. That's your UNAN. I don't have uh, an alternate. Uh, uh, wacky punchline for something else it could stand for. Sorry. Uh, I'm disappointed in as well sometimes. Their women's team, by the way, is anything but disappointed in. They are the best one in Nicaragua. They've got eight titles. Good on them. Maybe they should be playing here in the uh, men's top flight, just making an open division or league. 2013-14, they won uh, one of the stages in the second division, uh, that by itself was not enough to guarantee them the chance to go up, but they lucked out to a degree. Uh, Real Esteli, one of the big three in the top flight in Nicaragua, has a reserve team in the second division, or at least did at that particular time. And they actually won uh, the other stage, either the Apertura or Clausura. And so they played for the national title, but because they were a reserve team and they won, Real Esteli were not eligible to move up. You can't have two teams from the same club by most leagues rules, including here in Nicaragua, according to their FA. So that means that UNAN got to move up, unfortunately, to a degree, by default. Now, they have won one league title before. That was the Apertura stage in 2015. Last stage, they finished a little bit better than they are now in eighth place. Uh, they picked up points of some kind in five of their last 11 matches. So they're playing a little bit better, but only comparatively. I don't want to give too much credit because that's not the point of a match. I'm disappointed. Uh, the defense is actually a bit above average, but the offense is worse. And that means we have a small ball club. Boo. They don't try to score much. And uh, that allows them to basically sit back and park the bus on defense. Overall, it means they have the, the sixth best goal differential, but I still wouldn't count on them climbing very much. They do have a pretty decent score on their team. This guy must be responsible for like 40% of their offense. And that is a Brazilian veteran, 36 years old, Robinson Luis, who must be so sad to be here because he spent his last three years with one of the big three in this country, Darion Hen. But you know what, Robinson? Maybe it was time to hang up the boots or go play in like the third or fourth division back home in Brazil. Because Darion Hen uh, it was probably at least a little bit fun. I can't think you're enjoying this particular season. But speaking of Darion Hen, once again, credit where it's due. due in a home match, uh, UNAN just earned a 2-2 draw versus Darion Hen. 
Uh, but ultimately, they are still winless in their last three matches, and they stink. And thusly, unlike we would for most of the teams on this show, wishing them good luck and good fortune going forward from whatever match we covered in them in, in this episode, nay, we will not do that for these two teams, but rather we'll heckle and shoo them away in our traditional fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo! boo! And that'll put a bow on episode 128 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring Person Noob. We sure hope that you have had a ton of fun and done some learning with us. I would like to thank, as always, he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production duties, to Dan, the former Interno Inferno, whose creative efforts and inspirations remain, as always, on fire. Sounds dangerous. Maybe it is. And, of course, I'll still, even though she was working on her Wax Museum project for school, person new, thank you very much for everything you do weekend and week out for this particular program. She's the one that uh, picked your animal segment. I helped a little bit with the notes and was happy to get the recording done for her. Most importantly, thank you to you for finding us, for listening all the way through. We really appreciate it. Hope you've enjoyed it. And then you'll pass this on to your footy-minded friends, whether they are noob like uh, my daughter and I, or whether they are veteran fans or anything in between. So until we can do it in a few days, once again, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care. Why did you just turn the light off on me?